This morning we invite you to the book of Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to take the time to read the whole chapter through this morning. Ephesians chapter 3, beginning with verse number 1. Paul, who is the writer of the epistle, he writes, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to you word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body, and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Wherefore I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God, given unto me by the effectual working of his power, unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now under the principalities and powers and heavenly places might be made known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Wherefore I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word this morning. This morning we want to continue on with that of our study of the book of Ephesians. And our study brings us to chapter 3 of Ephesians. Now, Ephesians chapter 3 may not be as familiar as the first two chapters, and yet we would say to you that just as there are wondrous truths in chapters 1 and 2 of the book of Ephesians, there's also wondrous truths that Paul sets forth likewise here in chapter 3 of Ephesians. 
Just to review for a moment. In chapter 1, we have the Apostle Paul lifting up his voice in praise. Praise unto God for that of the eternal plan of redemption. Not only does he lift up praise unto God for the eternal plan of redemption, he also gives thanks for the Ephesian saints and intercedes in that of their behalf. In chapter 2, which we just completed, we have God's gracious salvation being declared by the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul, he begins by describing that of the Ephesian saints in their past, reminding them, and then how uh, God had shown grace unto them, and how that by grace, through faith, they were saved. Not only were they saved, the Apostle Paul was saved. All who has ever been saved has been saved by grace, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we saw Paul write about this in the first 10 verses of chapter 2. In verses 11 through that of 22, which we just completed, we have the Apostle Paul. He writes of God's gracious salvation, but he writes of that of the Jew and the Gentile. And how that God has reconciled the Jew and the Gentile between one another, and not only between one another, but also unto God, unto Himself, through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And as a result of this, there has been a new man created. There's one body, Paul speaks of. A new community of God, which consists of both Jews and Gentiles. One body, one man, one body, fellow citizens, members of the household of God, a holy temple. All of these are that of metaphors for that of what the Apostle Paul declares there, the truth of God's reconciling of that of the Jew and the Gentile to themselves and unto himself. As we come to chapter 3, where we want to begin this morning, the Apostle Paul, he writes of God's eternal plan that involves creating a people for himself, consisting of Jews and Gentiles, united to Christ and joined to one another. And this plan is not one that is new in one sense of the word, and yet in another sense, we could say it is new. And you say, well, what do you mean, Brother Steve? Well, first of all, in one sense, what Paul is going to write about is not something that is brand new. It has to do with that of God's eternal plan. God's eternal plan. It's not that God added anything to it. 
No, God's eternal plan is that of His eternal plan. It's complete. So in that sense, there's nothing new added. But there is a sense in which with regards to that of the eternal plan of God, at the cross, there was a dramatic dramatic change that took place. A dramatic change. That change was a change took place when Jesus Christ died upon the cross. That change took place, beloved, when Christ died upon the cross and paid the sin debt for all who would believe in Him. Jew and Gentile. That change change took place with regards to that of the relationship between the Jews and the Gentiles. A change took place with regards to that of how or the place where God was worshipped. Whereas Jerusalem, the temple, was the place where God's people came to worship. As we've noted over and over and over again as we studied the verses verses 11 through 22 of, Je- of Ephesians chapter 2, there was a barrier between the Jews and the Gentiles. There was, a, there was only a certain place that the Gentile believers could come as far as that of the temple was concerned. That wall was broken down. No more. Those who were afar off brought nigh those who were nigh that curtain that separated them from that of the very holy of holies the very place of god's presence ripped into now entrance made for that of god's people to come into the very presence of god without that of a human priest because of the great high priest, the Lord Jesus. Now Paul, as he speaks of God's eternal plan here and the distinct change that took place, he's already talked about it in chapter 2, but he's going to speak of, of it again and he's going to speak of it under that of the word mystery. Mystery. Chapter 3, verse 1, Paul writes, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which has given me to you word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when you read you may understand my knowledge of the mystery of Christ. The mystery of Christ. Now Paul is going to elaborate on this. But what Paul is going to tell us is that it's God's gracious eternal plan. It's His plan 
to save a people for himself. And that plan, that plan of salvation being through the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only Jews, but Jews and Gentiles. This morning, our focus will be on verse number one only. My subject this morning is that of Paul the prisoner of Jesus Christ. Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ. Paul writes in verse 1, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. Note that. For you Gentiles. Very important that you see that. We're going to break that of the verse down into three parts. First part, for this cause. We want to consider that phrase. Next, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ. That's the second phrase that we want to look at. And then lastly, for you Gentiles. For you Gentiles. First of all, the first phrase in that of the verse. For this cause. By merely beginning the chapter and reading those words, for this cause, it immediately causes us to ask the question, what cause? What cause is the Apostle Paul here speaking of here as he writes these words? Now, just to give you an idea of the different translations of this phrase, the KJV and the ASV translates it for this cause like we have it. But the RSV, the NASB, the NIV, and the KJV, and the ESV translates it for this reason. The New American or English Bible translates it with this in mind. Lastly, another translation translates it on account of this. There's something specific that Paul here is speaking of when he writes for this cause, for this cause, for this reason, with this in mind. Now, normally we would say to you that to answer the question, we must look backwards to that of the context. And that is true. The answer is in the context. But we would also draw your attention to the very fact that not only should we look at the prior context, but we also should look at that of the future context. The future context. Now, let us think about the context leading up to that of our text here in verse 1. Looking back, we have Paul writing of what God has done in reconciling Jews and Gentiles to himself and to one another, making one new man, one body of believers, fellow citizens, members of the household of God, a holy temple in 
the Lord. That's the context that we find ourselves in. Whereas there was hostility between Jews and Gentiles, now there was peace. Whereas there was hostility towards God, there was now peace. Whereas there was distance from God, there was now a drawing nigh through Christ Jesus. Paul writes, in lieu of all of this, in lieu of all of this, or in light of this, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, he says, I, Paul, he identifies himself. And he identifies himself as a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And he says, for you Gentiles. For you Gentiles. The forward context that we would draw your attention to is the rest of verse number one that we've already noted. He says, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ. In other words, I am a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Paul is telling these Gentiles, and he's telling them that I'm a prisoner for, of Jesus Christ for you. For you. For that of your sake. And what's the cause? What's the reason? It has to do with that of what Paul has been writing about all along. That of God's eternal plan and, beloved, that change that took place at the cross where, beloved, Jew and Gentile, the hostility was removed. The hostility between that of Jew and Gentile towards God was removed. There was peace through that of Christ and that of His death upon the cross. There was reconciliation. And God God reconciled us through His Son to Himself. For this cause, you who are Gentiles, I am a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Now, what does Paul exactly mean by this? What is, I mean, why does Paul even bring, bring this up? That he's a prisoner. What does he mean by the fact that he's a prisoner of Jesus Christ? And specifically, he says, for you Gentiles. Well, first of all, let's look at that of the way that he identifies himself. First of all, here, he says, I Paul. This is emphatic in the Greek. Paul says, I, Paul. Now, we just say to you that there are some writers who question that of whether or not the Apostle Paul is the writer of this epistle. Sounds crazy. I mean, especially when Paul identified himself in the very beginning of the epistle as Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And here, he identifies himself again as that of I, 
emphatic Paul. Why did he identify himself in this manner? In identifying himself in this manner, Paul emphasizes that of his concern for these Gentiles. His concern for his his readers. He emphasizes his personal concern and care for that of these believers, many of whom he has never seen. I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ. Now how was Paul a prisoner of Jesus Christ? Well, first of all, we would say to you that Paul was a prisoner He was a prisoner of the Roman government for one thing. The reason for his imprisonment being that he was falsely accused of violating the temple by bringing Gentiles into the area where they were forbidden. If you remember the Apostle Paul as he came to that of Troas and called for the Ephesian elders, he told those Ephesian elders that this was probably the last time that they would see him. That he was bound to go to Jerusalem and that the prophet had prophesied that terrible things would happen to him. Well, as you know, when he did go to Jerusalem, he was bringing that of a collection for that of the poor saints at Jerusalem. He brought that collection. He met with that of the uh, leaders, uh, elders there in Jerusalem at the at that time, James and Peter. Uh, and then he went to the temple. And he was going through the process of cleansing himself, going through the Jewish ceremonies and everything. And there were some Jews that were there from Asia. And they stirred up that of the crowd and said, you know, this one preaches... Christ and preaches, you know, that Christ salvation for that of the Gentiles. And they accused him because he had some Gentiles with him, accused him of bringing them into the temple area where it was forbidden, which, of course, it was a false accusation. Paul, he went before that of Felix the Roman governor. He went before King Agrippa. And then when things got to the point where his life was threatened, we know from the history of Acts, he appealed to that of Caesar. Which of course, from that, he went to Rome. Paul, a prisoner. I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ. He was a prisoner of the Roman government. But we would say to you, first of all, he was a prisoner of Jesus Christ. In what way, Brother Steve? Paul was a prisoner of Jesus Christ in that the Lord Jesus arrested the Apostle Paul on the Damascus Road. 
when he saved him. Over the book of Acts, chapter 9, if you'll turn there with us. We just want to read just a few verses there. Acts chapter 9. Here in Acts chapter 9, of course, we see Paul under his other name, which is Saul. And in verse number 10, it says, And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in the vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. And as seen in a vision a, a, a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he has done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for thy name's sake. Now, we read these words here of the conversation between the Lord and Ananias. Now, Saul, prior to this, he's on the road to Damascus. He's traveling to Damascus. He's got papers in his hands to persecute those who are followers of Jesus. And the Lord Jesus appears unto him and reveals himself unto him He's blinded. He's taken to the house where he, Ananias is told to go to. And it's there that Ananias comes and speaks to him. But note the words that the Lord said unto Ananias. He said, he is a chosen vessel. A chosen vessel to go and to stand before kings, and before that of the children of Israel. A chosen vessel. He was arrested, beloved. He was a persecutor. And the Lord arrested him and made him his own servant. His own servant. His own servant to that of the Gentiles. For we know that Paul, the apostle, was the apostle to the Gentiles. Paul, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, or that word for could be translated for your sake, or in that of your behalf. For you, Gentiles. Now, what does Paul mean by that statement? 
You mean simply this, that he was a servant, a channel, through which God was going to declare, proclaim the gospel message, the good news to the Gentiles. So Paul here, as he identifies himself as I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, he's basically telling them, beloved, that he is one who has been chosen of God, chosen for that of their sake. He's one who is a channel through which the blessing of God is coming to them. And that blessing being none other than that of the gospel message. Paul was a chosen vessel by God. And it was for him to go to the Gentiles and declare the gospel, the good news, the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ, not only for the Jews only, but also for the Gentiles. Also for the Gentiles. One writer in speaking of, of that of Paul and that of him being taken prisoner in the book of Acts spoke of the fact that he had Gentiles with him. He had that of the fruit of that of his ministry with him. That of individuals whom God had changed as that of evidence of that of what God was doing through him. What are the application here for us? First of all, we'd ask you, has the Lord arrested you? Has the Lord arrested you? Has He put His hand upon you? Are you a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ? Is the Lord Jesus Christ your Master and your Savior? And then secondly, are you a channel of blessing? Are you a channel of blessing to others? Beloved, as we think of the Apostle Paul, a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ, he was definitely a channel all blessing to the Gentiles in His proclamation of the good news unto them. Make me a blessing to someone today. Share the good news. Share the good news. Oh, we have a hymn on the back of our bulletin, which is an old one. Some of the words are a little bit different from what we normally sing, but 
you'll recognize it. Let's stand. Thank you.